This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Privileged today to speak to an extraordinary leader. We're, we're talking today with Jaja Akigwe, and Jaja is the, the CEO and the president of First Choice Health located in Seattle in Washington State. Jaja, can you take a moment and tell us about both yourself and about First Choice Health? Well, Scott, thanks for having me. Um, happy to do that. I, I am the, as you mentioned, CEO of First Choice Health and have been so for the last almost five years. I am a 30-plus uh, year career healthcare veteran, uh, having worked in places like uh, Deloitte's healthcare consulting practice, McKesson, and for Blue Cross Blue Shield. Uh, First Choice is a health benefits company and uh, we are 100% provider-owned, striving to do some really cool things, helping providers launch plans, um, helping employers get access to unique benefits, that kind of stuff. And, and is First Choice connected at all to Blue Cross or completely, totally separate? Yeah, no, we, we're we a totally separate, um, not connected to Blue Cross at all, though, um, interestingly enough, we share a lot of uh, of, of employees, meaning former folks from, from there. Uh, we are owned by hospitals. Um, 90% of our capital comes from hospitals and 10% comes from independent physicians. Fantastic. And, and talk a little bit about, in today's world, the growing chasm between these huge payers, you know, sort of the, the Uniteds of the world, the CVS Aetna's of the world, some of the Blue Crosses, Cigna versus the hospitals and health systems. And where do you guys sort of fit into that chiasm and in, in, in that situation? And where can you be of the most help to the provider community or, or to the employer community? We, we were originally launched uh, 30 years ago to be an alternative to the big traditional payers. The idea being that we're making care and access to care so complicated that it's hard for patients to get proper service. What we do today is really focus on individuals, patients, people, employees, and help hospitals and health systems offer benefits directly to the employer. So what does that mean? It means um, instead of buying uh, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield or Aetna Cigna United as your administrator, you could hire First Choice along with your local hospital, and we produce a plan just like them. The, the, the main difference is it's a lot easier to use. Um, the benefits are simplified, and uh, and you get care faster. Fantastic. In, in, in terms of the contrast of what you're doing now versus 12, 13 years at Blue Cross, I mean, you, you were served as in charge of strategic development there. It must be fascinating to look at strategy from this perspective. And how big is this compared to the Blue Cross plan that you served as senior vice president of strategy of? Is this Blue Cross nationally is so huge, but then all the plans are different. What kind of footprint are you looking at here versus the Blue Cross footprint? Well, as part of Blue Cross Blue Shield, and first off, let me say that it's a great organization and has has its use and purpose. We had a hard time aligning ourselves fully with providers. We were always viewed with some skepticism. When you sit at the table, you're always on the other side. And even when you really truly mean partnership, uh, there's a reserve in the room. Uh, First Choice is 100% provider owned. And so when I say things like we want to partner on this, my motives aren't suspect. 
we get a lot more open hearing and there's a lot of excitement around around our existence. So that's one really, I mean, huge difference. The other thing that um, we've discovered is um, you mentioned Blue Cross Blue Shield is not a national single unified entity. Uh, it's great organizations locally across the country. We've been able to try to create in our 14 states something that's that's homogeneous, meaning the same, so that we can act and behave like one company instead of like you know 16 great ones. And how many states are you in today? Well, um, it depends on which part of the company you're talking about. Uh, but the, the broadest look has us in 14 states in total. Uh, we are from Washington all the way over into Iowa, Oregon, up to Alaska. And then there's a few extra states in which we have forays today. Thank you. And then talk about your core customer. Who's the core customer of First Choice Health? Well, we, we're a third-party administrator for a network for an employee assistance program, and we offer medical management services. That means we weirdly provide services to uh, third, other third-party administrators through our network. We sell directly to employers as an administrator uh, and for medical management, uh, as well as for our EAP program. And now we're working with hospitals and health systems to launch plans or to do direct employer work. So we have different different audiences for the different services. And, and, and right now, where are, from an employer perspective, looking for a third-party administrator or, or trying to work with health systems to put together granted plans or plans and so forth, I mean, there must be so much stress in pricing and trying to figure this out, given how much cost are escalating again in healthcare, at least internally at providers. How do you sort of deal with some of those issues of the just real challenges in the marketplace? And, and is that making well, TPA administrative solutions more attractive? Uh, it, it depends on the on the part of the country. Uh, on the coasts, uh, there, there's been so much movement of employees that where what people are really after big broad networks. It seems like today, and so uh, some of the programs like we're describing, which tend to be more curated or focused on a community are getting overlooked because I, uh, people who used to have employees in Portland, Oregon, now have 50% of their employees in Virginia. Um, in the middle of the country, it's sort of the opposite. Um, people haven't seemed to have moved around as much. Maybe the cost of living was more affordable. And there uh, we're finding it's not about big broad networks. It, it's actually around uh, making sure that what we're doing is price competitive for the area. So yeah, your your point about price pressures is a good one. Our belief is the the bigger and broader we get, the more we can pass on that savings to to the end customer. And so uh, we're 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 trying to push ourselves to see if we can expand into as many states as possible to lower our overall cost. Gotcha. To amortize costs more broadly and to have broader in-network, I take it, benefits and so forth. Yes. Thank you. Yep. What What are sort of like, when you look at your business, what are the couple of the most, the biggest priorities, the most, I mean, expansion you've talked about, what are the biggest, like having enough network participants to make sure your customers aren't out of network with people? What are the big pain points? Well, um, 
you know, for those employers that have had people move around the last few years, uh, having a, a network that's broad enough and easy enough to access is, is one thing that uh, we're working hard to deliver. The second um, is every single, almost every single organization we work with has some customization. Uh, and so uh, making that more systematized, uh, we've been able to, to do that through our legacy of owning our own software and system. Um, I want to see that become more of a routine process. I love what Dell did many, many years ago and making what seems like custom uh, actually something that was a pick list behind the scenes. And I think the third one is, is uh, we are also extended ourselves. So uh, I'm focused on how do we uh, keep our employees who are no longer all in one location, um, who are largely remote, um, connected to the organization so they feel like they're working towards something and not putting in time, collecting a salary and subject to the next organization that offers more money. And talk about that for a second. Amongst sort of the hugest Wall Street firms, some of the bigger firms in the country, Elon Musk famously, you know, Bob Iger famously, trying to push people back to the office environment. I mean, a lot of us feel like in many, many businesses, we just don't really have control of that, even if we're leading those businesses. What's your perspective on that? Are you, how do you wrestle with remote versus not? Well, I, I think that's the proverbial genie out of the bottle. Uh, we've given people a lot of flexibility the last few years. They have uh, been able to distress by getting a few chores done during the day or being flexible if they have a kid home from work. And so trying to drive them back to an environment that's much more rigid, I, I just don't see that working well. For our own company, we will remain hybrid. And, and what that means is taking all that expense that you pour into putting people into offices and actually flying them into meetings. So uh, we are talking about having our first ever uh, all hands meeting uh, sometime in the next 12 to 24 months. Um, that would, would be bringing in people from what are something like 15 states into one location for a day and investing the time and energy in creating connection or contact. I just think people need to think different. No, 100%. And one last question, Josh, and this will be the toughest question of the day. You don't have to answer this. Okay, bear with me. The best school, Harvard, Yale, or Stanford, how do you look at that? <laughs> uh, well, I'm biased. I, I actually, to be honest, as an employer, I think any school that pumps out somebody who's excited and engaged in what they were studying is a great school. So University of Washington, I put on that list. Uh, I, I put in um, lots of other organizations. Uh, but across those three, I'm biased. Harvard is my favorite. Uh, but, but it's a fascinating discussion because we all know that there are certain schools with pedigrees like that. But study after study after study by the Wall Street Journal and other places shows that the best places to hire people from are often places like the University of Washington, not places like I am also both an Illinois graduate and a Harvard graduate. But we know that if somebody wants to hire a long-term great employee, they're often better off with the Illinois employee than the, than the Harvard employee, just like you mentioned about the University of Washington, where you get great, hardworking, smart people that want to go to work and earn a living and, and make a difference and do things. It, it's a fascinating perspective, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, to that point, I, I tend to want to focus on the candidate 
and, and the individual and what they're offering, uh, as well as what they've done, rather than the schools that they've attended. Uh, that's just one in interesting indicator. We think that's a great perspective. It's really an individualized thing. I mean, it's fun to look at the question with the rivalries of Harvard versus Yale versus Stanford and so forth. And obviously, you bring a bias to that question. But I, but I actually love your answer than actually building a workforce, building a team, building a real community. Far more important the individuals in the school they went to. Exactly. Josh, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. What a pleasure to get a chance to visit with you. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Thanks for having me.